Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Surrender all that we are to Him. Bring Him more than a song today. Bring Him more than a song. Give Him your heart. Give Him your life. God, nothing's off limits, God. Nothing's off limits. If it's there and it doesn't belong, touch it, move it, God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I grew up, I love songs like this because they recenter you to what's the most important thing, and that's Jesus, right? Because you can kind of get caught up in a lot of details that are like good things, but they're not the ultimate thing. And this song is kind of like, it just centers us right back on the king. And, I, and I, it kind of brings me back, right? Because that's like kind of like a probably like a mid to early 90s song. Do I got any kind of uh, mid to late 90s worship folk up in here? Kind of sort of, yeah. So that was like the jam, right? When, you're, when we were coming up. And I, I love the heart of that song and, and just what it means. Like, like I grew up uh, in a church and in a culture to where it was like, I think... We hated evil and sin more than we loved Jesus. And it was like the only prophetic word you ever heard was like, somebody's doing this, this, and this, and they need to get down here and repent, right? And, and I feel like that pendulum was kind of over here a little bit with some of the rules and regulations and some of the stuff, you know. Uh, but, but what I feel like's happened now is that, that the pendulum's kind of swung the other way, and we never talk about purity of life. We never talk about sitting at Jesus' feet. It's all about, you know, I'm in this love affair with Jesus kind of worship songs. And those are great. Those are good. But I'm going to tell you something, man. There's something about just putting everything on the table and the purity of heart and just the sacrifice of praise of just, of just laying it all down at his feet and being secure in his love, but also just knowing like, like nothing's, it's not even really a sacrifice because you get him in return. So, like, if you get Jesus, then it's never a sacrifice. It's always that he's the grandest thing that we could get. And so I feel like the Lord is recentering the church, is that we were way out here with all our stuff, and then, like, this grace message came, and it kind of pulled us too far out here. And I think God's pulling the church back to center to really, like, fear him, know him, love him, hate sin and all that, but also, like, have this grace side where we're, we're not self-righteous and we're able to, like, witness and share the love of God with people and be accepting and, and different things. But, but I really think God's doing a recentering in the, in the church. And I think um, I just love those songs that are like, I just want to sit at your feet. I'm not asking for a blessing, a miracle, a healing. I just want you, Jesus. And Jesus can do the blessing, the miracle, the healing. He can do all that. I love that about him. But you know what I've found? When I've made Jesus first, he'll do that other stuff without me even asking a lot of times. Because the miracles followed those who believe. You don't have to seek something. If you're seeking Jesus, all that stuff will just be following you where you go. And I think sometimes we seek these other things, and it's like, no, that, that stuff's supposed to follow us. It's behind us. It's in the wake of us seeking Jesus with all our heart. And so, I don't know, man, I just got all this stuff on my heart and in my mind, but just thinking back, that song just kind of brought me back to this, this time where I was like, 
man, I just wanted Jesus <laughs> and, and like just had some powerful times with, with that with that worship. So so I think there's kind of a recentering that God's going to be doing in his church where we're going to actually fear him again in a good, healthy way and really hate sin again, but not in a weird way where we like project on other people all these rules and regulations and weird stuff, but in a way of like, he's just the best thing there is. Why would we want anything else? And uh, I just think that's probably what God's up to. And I think he's going to... Um, He's going to start doing it. And I think you're going to start to see worship songs that are balanced. Uh, I think you're going to start to see that, see that again. Um, as our society is starting to spiral down, I think you're going to, you're going to start to see some, a different message and a different thing kind of go out into the earth um, from those that are in tune with Jesus. And I don't know what the, any of that means, but I just wanted to share it with you. And uh, love you guys. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. Let's just intercede for one another. God, we just thank you for everybody here. God, we're family. And any burden that anybody's bearing today, God, let them know that they don't have to suffer in silence or secret. They can lay it out, put it before you, put it before us. God, we agree with them. Touching any one thing, God, that, that it would be done. God, that where two or three are gathered, you're in the midst and your power and your rule and your authority is right there. So, God, we just ask that you would touch each and every person. That you would touch each and every person that's here. God, we love you so much. You're our great and true king. So, God, we ask that you would just release a spirit of revelation and wisdom in this place. God, that you'd show us the big picture, that we wouldn't get caught up in the little details that really don't make a, a whole lot of, don't really make a hill of beans, but, but that we would see the big picture, the thing that you're up to. That God, we would just keep taking steps of faithfulness in you. God, we love you so much. You're just amazing. You're incredible. And we just lift your name up. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I want to invite my friend up here, Jody. Jody and, and his wife, Rama, they serve as missionaries in, in Mexico. We were privileged to kind of pick them up and start supporting them last year. And uh, I'm trying to get down there. And, uh, and dude, I'm coming. I'm coming down there. Uh, he told me, he's like, you, you get on a motorcycle and you go to villages and preach the gospel. I was like, whoa, okay, that sounds like my kind of adventure. Um, but I just love this guy. I love his family. And... Uh, and I just want to just give him some time. And so I want you to be praying uh, because he's going to come back Sunday, too, and we're going to take up a missions offering for them. But uh, I want to take up one today, too, because I know sometimes we got a Wednesday night crowd, sometimes we have a Sunday night. So if, like, the Lord moves on your heart uh, to be generous, I want you to be generous. And as you leave in the buckets, everything that you put in those buckets will go to this man. And uh, I just believe that missions is the heartbeat of God. He wants everyone to hear the message, and I just have a kindred with this guy right here and his family. His daughter Faith is serving in the kids' ministry right now, so we put her to work pretty quick. But um, yeah, she didn't get here a couple of weeks. We had her doing something, but but anyway, we just love them and honor them, and uh, and just share whatever's on your heart, Jody. And uh, would y'all just give him a hand clap? Give him a welcome. Thank you. Um. Just to properly introduce myself, I'm Faith's father. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be difficult. 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this without getting choked up. Um, we, uh, Matt and I just met. It hadn't even been a year, I don't think, uh, through my brother-in-law, Jeff Canadal. And uh, he's here tonight with his wife, Joy, uh, my wife's sister. And, um, you know, our daughter, Faith, those of you who know her, she's just transitioned into college. And as her father, I just, wanted to, I just want you to know how grateful I am to you as a church body, that you've provided a place for her, that you've provided a home for her spiritually. Because there's not a greater concern that we have as full-time missionaries in Mexico than the welfare of our daughter here in Arkansas, and we know that she's in good hands. So why don't y'all give yourselves a hand clap? And, and she has nothing but good things to say about you guys and how you've um, provided her an outlet for ministry because it's in, we've raised her and, and our son as well to be givers and to lay their lives down, and she really... Uh, has a lot of good things to say about you guys, and we really appreciate it. So we are missionaries. How did we get here? For me, it started probably when I was four years old. There's a lot of details. I'm going to have to skip a lot of stuff. I came from the wrong side of the tracks. I was the wrong color. And that doesn't make me special. I think that all of us at one point could identify with being on the outside looking in. And uh, when I was about four years old, I found a friend in Jesus. It wasn't a televangelist, it wasn't a big campaign, it wasn't some crazy prophetic thing that happened, it wasn't some supernatural miraculous thing. Our babysitter invited us to church. And it's because of her that my brother and I are in Mexico today as missionaries with our families. I want to talk to you today. God presents, us, presents himself to us in so many different ways, and he's so many things to us. He's all things to us when we're in need. And for me, it started out, he was a friend. And I want to talk about friendship today. I realize that's really odd. It's kind of an odd topic maybe to bring up. But God came to me in the form of a friend. And... Uh, the warmth and the communion and the care from him as a friend is what changed my life for eternity. Um, that process and that pattern is what should set the tone for everything else in your life. We talk about discipleship. I realize I'm talking to the faithful ones that are here tonight, and the majority of you are probably involved in ministry in one form or another. And I think it's crucial for all of us to get this idea of care and warmth 
in communion with God. What do you get when you take two halves and put them together? You get something that's whole. The problem with places that are not experiencing spiritual growth and revival and vitality is that a form of ministry is being done and it's not out of wholeness. When I met God, he made me whole and that changed everything. And that set the tone, that set a pattern for my life from then on. And it's been modeled in different relationships in my life. Even with my dad who wasn't, he had problems, he wasn't a perfect father. But I can remember I can remember him showing me what it was like to not only be a father, to be a fr- but to be a friend. What is what are attributes of true friendship? Faithfulness. Someone who's faithful, and someone who lays their life down. The Bible says, "No greater love has a man than this that he lay down his life for his friends." And I can remember my dad taking my brother and I in his arms. And telling us how much he loved us and that he would lay his life down for us. I can remember my older brother who was kind of like the, uh, I'm afraid to use the wrong term, but black sheep's the word, I guess, that comes to mind. I can remember him telling me we, we were, I think that we were as close as two brothers could possibly be in friendship. And, um, he was older and he always, was the one who, when there was abuse or when there was some, you know, adversity or difficulty, he was always the one that carried the load and, and took the, the golpes. I'm thinking in Spanish. <laughs> he was always the one that took the shots. And I can remember him telling me, I want you to reach higher heights even if you have to stand on me to get there. And it's another... It's another relationship in my life where true friendship of faithfulness and laying one's life down for someone else was modeled for me. And, um, you know, we live in a crazy, rude, cold world today. Sunday, I was going over some things, and I was, I often speak about having a tender heart. So, um, just a little lesson. Be careful with homophones, all right? Homophones is a linguistic term, two words that sound alike but are spelled differently. So I'm on the internet and I type in tender heart. I, I know how to spell, okay? I earned a scholarship by my ACT score. But for whatever reason, I typed in T-I-N-D-E-R, heart. And all this stuff pops up on my search page. And I'm like, what in the world? And it's this, apparently there's a dating app called Tinder, T-I-N-D-E-R. And there's a code. They have hearts, these emojis. And all of these emojis have different colors. And the color of the heart is like a special code for whoever you're 
you know, cache of dating partners are. And I guess that's how people message now. They don't use words, they use emojis. So anyway, I had to go back to the drawing board on Tender Heart because I'm not in the dating game. Uh, by the way, I brought my first wife. My only wife. Never have remarried. Um, that's a part of the story. Back in 1996, I was in church one day, and I just said, you know, God, I'm ready to meet my wife. So I was going to church at that time at Cabot First Assembly, and I told my friend, I was like, let's go over to North Little Rock first tonight. Surely there's, like, some eligible girls there. <laughs> no joke. That's the way it happened. If you find him, Brett Jones will tell you that's exactly the way it happened. So that night, I met Rama, and uh, we became best friends, and uh, she's my best friend today. I feel so fortunate and blessed because I have a lot of best friends. I started with telling you about Jesus and my brother. These are people that, it, in my worst moments in life, they've been there. They've provided support. They've provided the things that I need to put myself back together, to allow God to put me back together, and to not only survive but thrive in this life that we live in. Because like I said, it's a rude and it's a rough and it's a cold world. The Bible says show yourself friendly. There, it, out of 18... Proverbs 18.24, there's a few different translations on that verse, but I'm going to go with the one that serves me tonight, which is show yourself friendly if you want to have friends. The other day, we stopped, we were on the way up, and we stopped at a gas station, and, um, you know, I'm just trying to be friendly, you know. I went in to get some barbecue. I know it's kind of odd that you would get barbecue at a gas station, but that's Texas, you know what I'm saying? Sure. You stop to get gas, and they have barbecue. So we stopped at Rudy's. We're filling up the truck. We're getting a barbecue sandwich. I go into the bathroom, and I'm getting ready to leave. And I noticed that, like, this dude come in. He came in, and he turned on the water faucet, like, full blast. I'm like, and then he left the sink and went over, you know, to handle his business. And I'm like, why did he turn the water on? So I go over, and I kind of look at it and try to check out what's going on. And I wash my hands since he had, I thought, well, well that was nice of him to turn the water on for me. <laughs> I washed my hands, and then I thought, you know, I don't know if it's good to just, like, leave water running full pressure right now. Like, people are dying of, you know, lack of water and drought and whatever. So, you know, without kind of, like, looking over there, I'm like, hey, do you want me to uh, leave this water running? I'm just trying to be friendly. You know what I'm saying? He turned the water on. I don't want to go behind him and turn it off. And the dude's like, what? What'd you say to me? And I'm like, whoa. I was like. Sir, do you want me to leave the water running, you know, with a smile? He's like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I left the water running and I moved on. <laughs> but it's like people are on edge because people are not whole. Um, people come and go through, ch through, the, through our church doors every day, week after week. And because of the shallow Christianity that's being presented the deep things are not being touched. 
And God wants to bring a warmth and a communion. He wants to warm our hearts, and he wants to have communion with us, and he wants to make us whole. I met my best friend, and we got married. And once again, two parts made something that's whole. And then a week later, we moved to Mexico. (laughs) I'm not going to say it was a bad decision, but I wouldn't suggest you follow that pattern. (laughs) Maybe take a few weeks or months or years to get adjusted before you move to a foreign country. In 2001, with, I don't know, six days, seven days under our belt, we moved to Mexico, and we've been there ever since. So. While I continue to speak, uh, you guys can go ahead and roll the slideshow. There's no way that I'll be able to jam in everything that we do tonight in talking about what we do. Uh, But basically what we do is, yeah, we walk in this friendship. We walk in this friendship with God. And we let it set a pattern for our marriage and for our family, for the way we raise our kids. That's Joseph. He's hard to see because he's so small. He's about 6'5 now, so he was here Sunday. You probably didn't recognize him. But we take that pattern of communion with God, communion within our home, and we take it out into the villages, and we share it with the people out there. We show ourselves friendly, and it's not necessarily in these major life-changing events. It's daily faithfulness. We get up and we pray together and we hike these trails. That's a prison that we visit. We do prison ministry. We, We bought a trash dump and turned it into a garden. We dug a well and planted trees so that the young guys that I disciple have somewhere to work and they can come and they can work with me and we fellowship together. We do life together. We help them get motorcycles. That's Joseph in the middle on a motorcycle. And two guys on the side are two of the young pastors that we're discipling. But what we've done is we've taken this pattern of relationship with Christ, relationship with one another, and we've tried to go out and share that in the places that we get invited And then just the spontaneous, it's crazy how things come about. Like, my kids both like basketball. So, my son and I got involved in a basketball league in Mexico. Just the other day, one of our team members says, I'm the leader of the sport department at the local prison. We would like for y'all to come and share in prison and, like, do do like a basketball game with our prisoners and, you know, share your message. And it's little things like that. And what you have is, is you have all these little parts that come together that make something whole, that make 
what we do is we step into chaos and we step into darkness and we step into this void with God and God starts to put these little pieces together and before you know it, a puzzle starts to form. And we're 20-something years into this process of what we've been doing, of being friends with Jesus, being friends with one another. Now, my wife is my best friend, but she also can get under my skin like no one else. <laughs> but we remain faithful to one another. And it's that process of staying together and helping one another through difficulty that makes life sweet and what it is. It's like we're, we're, you know, next week we're getting ready to enjoy Thanksgiving together, hopefully. For some people it'll be like chaos and it'll be a big family war and everything else, but it's supposed to be a time to come together and enjoy. And... Um, you know, with Faith, for instance, she runs cross-country over here at Henderson State. Here's another small example of what I'm talking about. I'm her father, but I'm also her friend. And she would see me out running. I developed a crazy habit of running to deal with some other things in my life, I guess like a coping mechanism. And Faith was like seven years old, and she's like, Daddy, I want to go. And her mom would be like, Faith, you can't go. Daddy's going to run 18 miles today. But I said, yes, you can, Faith. Let's go. Let's do it together. And um, I knew she couldn't do 18 miles. <laughs> but I did not want her to think that she couldn't. So it, it slowed me down. But I took her with me. And I let her run or jog or we would slow down and walk. And when it got to the point where she was like, Daddy, my legs are tired, I would grab her by the arms and I would sling her over my shoulder and I would take off trotting with her. And I've done the same thing with her and Joseph both. And I'm not saying that to brag or to be to put the spotlight on myself, I learned that from others. This pattern of laying your life down for someone else. It says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them, Paul, If one of them falls down, the other one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Back in 2010, I lost one of my best friends. It was my dad to suicide. And uh, I was devastated. But when I looked up, I was surrounded by the rest of my best friends that I had left. My wife, my children, my brother, my extended family, my coworkers, and these people that we work with in Mexico. We came back to Arkansas to bury my father, 
And when we went back to Texas where our office is at, my boss that I work for that gives me my schedule, he said, you can do whatever you want to do. If you just want to stay here at our office and go through a time of like recuperation and rest, whatever you want. And I, there was just a pulling in my heart to go back to Mexico. And I said, no, I just want to go back and be with the brothers. And there were days where I basically go to church six days out of, a week, out of the week. It, it fluctuates some, but I go out to a village, give or take, six, five or six days out of the week. And there were days when I would show up, and I really didn't have anything to give. But I was receiving so much. And at that point in my life, the commitment that I had made to them so many years before is actually what held me together and helped bring me back to life. And this pattern of commitment, this pattern of communion that God began to show me or that began to develop at an early stage in my life has absolutely been the difference maker and is the reason why I'm standing here today. A couple years after that, I had an accident. We were working. Uh, we, we do a lot of construction. We build churches. We do all sorts of stuff. We work with concrete, um, tin, metal, roofing, all sorts of stuff. If you, need, if you need an odd job done, ask Faith. She can do it. <laughs> I was working one day with a grinder, and I had an asbestos blade on, and I'm bad about trying to, like, make a dollar out of 15 cents, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was in a hurry, and I took the guard off, and I put, instead of using the four-and-a-half-inch blade, I put the seven-inch on there because I was cutting, I was scoring this concrete and busting it, and it was a whole job. So I'm working, 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 all of a sudden the grinder starts to vibrate, and the thing blows up, the blade, and it shreds my hands, cuts my tendons, cut my pinky finger off, and I was like 34 years old. And I went two months like this. I couldn't use my hands, but my best friend took care of me. She fed me, she clothed me, she brushed my teeth for me, she situated my pillow for me, and <laughs> about a year later, after I had fully recovered, she said, you are a very, very cantankerous person. <laughs> and that's what best friends do. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The people that we work with in Mexico are basically unreached people. They're really poor. They speak dialects, and there's no one that is going to where they are. And that's probably a big part of what drew us to where we live and work and, and helped keep us there in the beginning when it was a lot more difficult. And we, didn't, we hadn't carved out a niche yet. We, we didn't have the relationships yet. They are in great need. They are poor, they don't have infrastructure, they don't have finances, and no one's coming. But we are. Because somebody came in our poor neighborhood and picked us up and took us to church three times a week. 
I'll never forget Brother Gary. I don't even know his last name. I don't know where he's at today, but he was a part of the bus ministry that would take my son, my brother and I to work. Uh, to work. I can't even speak right. <laughs> tender, tender. <laughs> Took us to church three times a week. I can remember the head pastor, Highway Baptist Church. It was probably close to a thousand people, members. After the pastor got to know us, Larry Ballard, the pastor, when we didn't show up consecutive Sundays or whatever it was, I can remember him coming to our house in the summer, and like we lived in the ghetto, and when his car came rolling up, we kind of went and hid because we didn't know who he was. And it was the head pastor of the church, and he was just looking for us. And I can remember him stepping out and us going up to greet him and him saying, hey boys, I'm just concerned about you. I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? And you can just tell that he cared. And it's back to that idea of care and communion and fellowship. Evangelization is friendship. It's care. The people out there don't want you to look at them and treat them like the next project. They shouldn't be a thing to you that needs to be done. They should be a person that needs to be reached with the love of God. If two are together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? If you feel cold and you feel cold-hearted, cut some time out of your schedule and get alone with God. Get alone with your worship music or however you like to do it and just spend some time alone with God and let Him warm your heart. Though one may be overpowered, two can, can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There is a major transition between Jesus and the disciples in John chapter 15, verse 15, right before he was crucified. He said, I no longer call you servants. We're all busy about trying to be servants, trying to be doers. And it's right to be doers of the word and not hearers only. But it's more about who we are rather than what we do. When who we are gets fixed in the presence of God, what we do will take care of itself. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. We're not slaves. We're not just servants. He said, instead, I've called you friends. Because everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And in a simple, in a really, really simple way, I guess I would say that what we're doing in Mexico is basically just trying to do what was done for us. We're just trying to reach out to other people the same way people reach out to, reach out to us. Jesus laid the pattern out for us. John 15, 13, he said, there's no greater love than this that you lay down your life for others. I'm going to go ahead and close up. Uh, a couple of the people that I wanted to tell you about. I don't know if it's still rolling. Oh, yeah, it is. See, I'm looking at me and... 
Brother Tino, you guys are looking at the thing still rolling. Anyway, the first picture, I don't know if you noticed it, was me and a guy that's about this tall. Uh, His name was Tino. He's since passed away. But I met him when I first moved to Mexico, and he had a seven-year-old son. This guy had gotten born again. He had a wooden leg. And he would go with me almost every single day to church. And we have monsoon rains. He has a wooden leg. He can't let his leg get wet. Back in those days, there weren't as many roads as there are now. And I would have to, like, cross rivers. Like, I would have to, like, carry a pair of shorts with me and, like, strip down to my shorts and, like, cross rivers. And this guy would come with me, and I would carry him across the rivers. Because that's how much he wanted to go to church. And he had this little boy, this little frail, small boy named Nemesio. And uh, that little, small, frail boy today is an apostle. He was quiet. He was unassuming. You would have never picked him out in a lineup. You would have never chosen him. But he would go with us, with his dad, and he was just always there. He just kept showing up, and so did we. What God's asking for you to do is to keep showing up, to be the best. My motivation on a daily basis is simply to wake up and to be the best version of myself for those around me. That's it. I'm not trying to do some major, crazy, miraculous thing. God does those things. Faith sent me a message a while ago and said, are the guys playing basketball in the morning at 5? And I said, yes. And she said, I want to go. Do you want to (laughs) go? And I'm like, yes. but I just want to be the best. I'm 43. I'm too old for that stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like, I come home and Raymond's like, you're overdoing it. You can't hardly walk. But I just want to be the best that I can for her and for Joseph and for my wife and for my family and for the guys that are waiting on us when we get back in Mexico. And there's going to be periods where things are not going to go the way you want them to. I met a guy named Luis He was one of those guys that from the very first day I met him, he had this smile on his face. And he just lit up the room. And he was a person that you just wanted to be around. And I would go to his village about once a month. And then one day I showed up and he wasn't there. Where's Luis? And no one would tell me because it was such a disgraceful thing. And I found out later that his wife had cheated on him and left him with his own brother. And they had two small girls that were the same age as my daughter. And that absolutely devastated him and wrecked his life. He moved to Mexico City, became an alcoholic, completely gave up on life. He ended up in the Sangha, 
which is like where the sewage water flows. Like Mexico City is one of the largest, most populated places in the world, and they have this place where the sewage water flows, and there's a garbage dump there. And he said, I ended up in the garbage dump. And it's, it's, it's like 6,000 feet altitude, and it's cold there. And he said, I can remember laying down and sleeping with the dogs just to keep myself warm. He was gone for like eight or nine years. And then one day, God reached down and lifted him up out of the garbage dump. God spoke to him and said, I want you to go home and I want you to forgive. And he said, I can't. There are things that are impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. He made it back by the grace and the mercy, by that warmth and that communion with God. He made it home. He forgave his brother. God restored his life. And he's another one of our apostles now. We're talking about a 20-year process. But we were there when when he left. And we were there when he came back. God's not asking, well, maybe he is. I guess it depends on how you look at it. He's not asking you to, like, do something, like, crazy, supernatural, and miraculous. He's asking for you to show up and for you to be faithful in your prayer closet, in your time of communion, in your quiet time. We all have busy lives. God's waiting on you every day. In the morning, before you wake up, and at night, before you go to bed, God's waiting on you. And so is the world around you. God's asking for us to just lay our lives down and be faithful. And he says at the end, there's going to be a separation. And what he's going to say to the ones who did well, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is the love of God to do what he says. And it's not burdensome. If going to church is burdensome for you, if Christian ministry is burdensome for you, if this all seems like too heavy of a load, it's because maybe you've become distanced from your best friend. And you need to allow him to draw you back. You need to walk back into communion with Him and there will be a supernatural grace that will come and we'll be the best version of ourselves for those around us. Let's pray. God, I pray for Your love and Your grace to overcome the hatred, the coldness, and the evil in this world around us, even within us. And let our hearts be warmed and tender to bring life to this cold and dark world. Help us to be faithful in these little things and to lay our lives down for you. In Jesus' name.
if it's just because I'm Pentecostal or what, but I just feel like every service needs a response. <laughs> and after something like that, man, if you want to be a, you want to really be on mission and fall in love with Jesus and lay your life down, I think God wants to impart that to us. I think he's raising up some apostles in here. And don't get weirded out by that word. It just means a sent one. <laughs> That's all it means. And God's wanting to raise up and send some. And, uh, and it's not someone else. It's you. And so if you just want to, I just feel like there's an impartation that I want Jody to pray over us. And um, if you want to just be a, a sold out soul winner that shows up, that's increase your communion with God and you just feel like God tugging at your heart, I want you to stand up and I want you to come down here to the front. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.